0: Hello everyone and welcome to the January 18th edition of the Arkham Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, attorney with the Floyd Skirin Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. So let's get started with our litigation report. A major labor union and several ride-hailing drivers are suing the state of California to overturn a newly passed ballot measure classifying gig workers as independent contractors in California. The Service Employees International Union and a group of ride-hailing drivers filed suit in California's Supreme Court, alleging that Proposition 22 violates the state constitution and limits the power of state legislators to implement certain worker protections they are authorized to grant. These plaintiffs asked the state Supreme Court to invalidate Prop 22, which cemented gig driver status as independent contractors after more than 58% of California voters supported the ballot initiative last November. They argue the measure limits state legislators' ability to implement a system of workers' compensation and defiance of their constitutional authority to do so. It also argues that the proposition unconstitutionally defines what compromises an amendment to the measure, as well as violating a rule limiting ballot measures to a single subject to prevent voter confusion. The groups that filed the suit, which also include SEIU California State Council, took particular issue with the measure's inclusion of a provision requiring a 7-8 legislative supermajority to amend and even define what constitutes an amendment. That authority, they say, is vested with the courts. Further, they argue they violated the single subject rule by burying, they say, burying these cryptic amendment provisions on subjects not substantively addressed in the measure and in language that most voters would not understand. They said they were suing in the state Supreme Court rather than a lower court because the issues were of broad public importance and require a speedy resolution to minimize harm to gig workers. The Protect App-Based Drivers and Services Coalition, which represents gig companies such as Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash, criticized the lawsuit. Simplified Labor Staffing Solutions, Incorporated and its sister entities provide staffing services, such as secure payroll services, insurance coverage, licenses, and corporate benefits. A major expense in their business operation is paying for workers' compensation insurance. Simplified initiated litigation against Trinity Risk Management, LLC-affiliated entities, Knight Management Group, Inc., and H.J. Knight International Insurance Agency, and Captive Resources, Inc., and other named defendants. Simplified alleged fraud-based claims related to workers' compensation insurance it had purchased from these defendants who sell workers' compensation insurance to staffing companies. The agency claims that the defendants conspired to induce Simplified to purchase their workers' comp insurance, through them by claiming that after one year of paying surcharges on the actual premiums for the coverage they required, Simplified would then earn steep discounts on workers' comp coverage. The defendants purported to offer underwriting of insurance without being a licensed insurance company, and they claim it offered insurance coverage as a broker without being a licensed broker. But the defendants responded by filing a cross-complaint against Simplified alleging eight causes of action, including one for defamation. The cross-complaint, it's also alleged Simplified, was approximately $2 million in arrears on its workers' compensation payments. So Simplified then filed what's called a special motion to strike the defamation part of the cross-complaint, claiming it was a strategic lawsuit against public participation that's known as the anti-slap statute the trial court granted simplified special motion to strike the defamation claim and the court of appeal affirmed in the unpublished case of trinity risk versus simplified labor it said, The purpose of the anti-SLAP law is not to insulate defendants from any liability for claims arising from the protected right of petition or speech. It only provides a procedure for weeding out, at an early stage, meritless claims arising from a protected activity. The wording of the anti-SLAP statute protects the right of litigants to the utmost freedom of access to the courts without fear of being harassed subsequently by derivative tort actions further the law provides that it shall be construed broadly and a new wcab significant panel decision ruled on legality of remote versus in person trials at the wcab in the underlying case applicant lemin gao filed an application for adjudication alleging a psych injury while employed by Chevron between 2014 and 2015. The matter proceeded to trial on March 10, 2020. The applicant, Gao, provided in-person testimony, both direct and on cross-examination, after flying in from her current residence in Ontario, Canada, in order to do so. The trial was then continued to June 9, 2020, with in-person testimony contemplated from several defense witnesses. However, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, the WCAB district offices stopped conducting in-person trials as of March 16, 2020, and then... Beginning on May 4, the WCAB district offices began to hear trials on the case in chief remotely by phone link. On May 7, 2020, the state of California's governor issued an executive order which essentially suspended the requirement that a witness testify in person under certain circumstances. So, as the June 9, 2020. Uh, second trial date approached, the parties made clear they had very different ideas about how the case should proceed. Applicant favored proceeding by way of remote testimony, while the defendant objected, requesting a continuance until in-person testimony could be elicited from its three rebuttal witnesses. In response, the work comp judge issued the order continuing the remote trial, stating that due process required continuing the trial to allow for in-person testimony from the defendant's witnesses. This was because applicant had previously given in-person testimony. The applicant, Gao then petitioned for removal to have the WCAB rule on the legality of the work comp judge ordering a continuance of the hearing the panel reversed and remanded the case in what they call a significant panel decision of Lamingao v. Chevron Corporation. The panel ruled that each case must be resolved according to its own particular circumstances, and it would therefore be inappropriate to institute a blanket rule that it is per se unreasonable to continue a case to allow for in-person testimony. The default position should be that trials proceed remotely in the absence of some clear reason why the facts of a specific case require a continuance. Moreover, as the party seeking the continuance, the burden should be on the defendant in this case to demonstrate why a continuance is required. And now our crime report. Federal prosecutors for the Northern District of California charged Rodney L. Stevenson II with wire fraud, mail fraud, and money laundering for his operation of an e-commerce site that claimed to have N95 masks for sale during the current COVID-19 pandemic. Stevenson operated EM General, a company created in 2019 which purported to sell N95 masks with N99 filters. At the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, EM General and its website, controlled by Stevenson, advertised that it had N95 masks in stock and available for shipping. EM General sold many of these masks for as much as $24.95 each. To bolster the legitimacy of EM General, Stevenson created a professional-looking website that included the names, backstories, and stock photographs of a group of fake EM General executives. <clears throat> it also falsely described how long the company had been in business, its sales volume, and its reputation. Stevenson also used fictitious names and emails to customers. As the pandemic worsened and demand for the N95 masks increased dramatically, EM General's sales skyrocketed. EM General's total sales were about $3.5 million involving over 25,000 customers, the vast majority of which were sales of N95 masks that were never delivered to customers. Bay Area residents thought they were buying much-needed N95 masks from E.M. General, but according to the criminal complaint, Stevenson had no intention of delivering any masks in what was described by prosecutors in the complaint as a consumer nightmare of fake web pages and false promises. Stevenson and E.M. General delivered almost none of the masks. Instead, when customers complained and asked for refunds, Stevenson generally refused to refund customers and instead offered a series of lies to fraudulently prolong a scream while he continued selling masks. Stevenson is charged with nine counts of wire fraud, one count of mail fraud, five counts of laundering of monetary instruments, and one, counting, uh, one count of money laundering. Licensed insurance agents 65-year-old Robert Farmer, who resides in Camarillo, and 67-year-old Marion Erkan, who lives in Nagura Hills, were arraigned on multiple counts of grand theft after allegedly accepting over $687,000 in insurance premium payments from business owners and misappropriating the money for their personal use. Farmer and Ercan are doing business as Centerpoint Insurance Services Limited, located in Camarillo. They accepted insurance premium payments from two towing companies in the Los Angeles area. The California Department of Insurance received a complaint from the owner of one of the towing companies that said Centerpoint Insurance accepted two checks, totaling $391,000 for the company's commercial auto insurance policy, but Farmer and Erkan did not forward these premium payments to the insurance carrier. Later, the department received a complaint from the second towing company that claimed at Centerpoint embezzled $50,000 down payment made toward the renewal of the towing company's commercial policies. The investigation revealed that Farmer and Erkan accepted over $687,000 in total from the two towing companies, but never sent the payments to an insurance company to secure insurance for either business owner. Appropriate administrative action is also being taken against the licensees. They are scheduled to return to court this March. And in regulatory news, the DWC has scheduled a conference call public hearing for a proposed evidence-based update to the medical treatment utilization schedule. This hearing is set for Thursday, February 18, at 10 a.m., and <clears throat> members of the public may attend by calling the provided information posted on its website. Written comments must be submitted no longer later than February 18 at the end of business. The proposed evidence-based update to the MTUS incorporates by reference the ACOM December 14, 2020 Latest Published COVID-19 Treatment Guideline. This 99-page guideline contains an analysis of the effectiveness of various COVID-19 treatments using many options, including the controversial hydrochloroquine and chloroquine medicines and remdesivir. The proposed evidence-based update to the MTUS regulations are exempt from the rulemaking provisions of the Administrative Procedure Act. However, the DWC is required to have this 30-day public comment period, hold a public hearing, respond to all the comments received during the public comment period, and then publish the order adopting this update online. A California Workers' Compensation Institute analysis of claims as of January 11 shows that the number of COVID-19 claims in the California workers' compensation system more than tripled between October and November of 2020. It then jumped another 64.2% to a record of 23,483 claims this last December. And a new projection shows that the December total could climb to nearly 38,000 cases once claims that are yet to be filed or still under investigation are added to the tally. The latest figures show that after falling to a six-month low in September, monthly COVID-19 claim counts began trending up in October as the fall wave of coronavirus cases hit the state. That year-end surge furnished the pushed the number of COVID-19 claims reported to 93,470, which is 15.7 percent of all 2020 claims reported to the state. The 2020 COVID claim count includes 464 death claims, that's up 21.7 percent from the 381 death claims reported as of December 28. This means COVID-19 death claims accounted for nearly half of the 966 work-related death claims recorded by the state for 2020. Other recent results show that healthcare workers' share of the COVID-19 claims has declined from 44.7% in the first quarter of 2020 to 28.8% in the fourth quarter. Males and younger workers continued to account for a growing share of the COVID 19 claims. And COVID 19 claim denial rates hit a six month high of 36.9% in October. Denial rates vary significantly by industry, with October claim denial rates ranging from 12.8 for utility workers to 66.8 for transportation workers. Many COVID-19 claims are denied because the claimants do not test positive for the virus. The latest results on California Workers' Comp COVID-19 claims are from the January 11 update to the CWCI's COVID-19 Interactive Claim app. The app integrates data from CWCI, the DWC, and the Bureau of Labor and Statistics to provide online information on California work injury claims. The app is updated weekly and is available for free to the public on its website. The Division of Workers' Compensation is now accepting applications for the Qualified Medical Evaluator Examination, which will take place on April 17, 2021. The DWC will offer in-home computer-based testing examination using the ProctorU equipment and software. Candidates who are interested in taking the online exam and have the minimum system requirements should indicate so on the application for the examination. The vendor managing the QME exam will notify interested candidates of the registration and scheduling process. But the DWC will continue to offer an in-person examination in Northern and Southern California also on April 17, 2021 following the guidelines and recommendations by the CDC and California Department of Public Health. Application and registration packets for the QME exam may be downloaded from the DWC website. The deadline for filing the exam application is March 4, 2021. No applications will be accepted after this postmarked date. Distribution of the COVID vaccines, which in California is done in several phases and prioritizes first doses for healthcare workers and people at risk of becoming severely ill from the virus, has lagged other jurisdictions by a considerable margin. Nationwide, about 6.7 million Americans have received a vaccine dose according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The CDC has projected that close to 90 million people will be vaccinated by March, still under the one-third of Americans and far less than the 70% officials say is needed to reach herd immunity. In California, vaccine rollout has been beset by a number of issues that bring into focus challenges that come with such a gargantuan effort. California has received just over 2 million vaccine doses, but only administered about 652,000 of them as of January 8. Vaccine doses are also lower than anticipated, with officials estimating they will not have enough doses to immunize most residents of its 58 counties until this summer. Legs, In deployment are also tied to ultra-low temperature storage requirements for the Pfizer vaccine, a shortage of vaccination sites and staff to administer doses, and a delay in setting up systems to track who is immunized and where they live. The Golden State has the nation's highest total of people infected with COVID-19, with more than 2.5 million cases. As of January 7, health departments statewide have reported 73,800 positive cases among health care workers and 276 deaths. California recently told local health departments and providers to expand vaccine eligibility by offering doses to community health and testing site workers, public health field staff, and dental clinic and pharmacy personnel. The new guidance also says once demand has subsided from the first priority group, doses should be allocated to people age 75 and older, child care workers, staff in emergency response and food service, and educators. Los Angeles County, where about one in five people being tested for COVID-19 are currently testing positive, is the largest from a cluster of Southern California counties that have received about 256,000 doses from the state, the largest quantity of any region. That area includes Orange, San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, and Ventura counties. Still, there are not enough vaccine doses currently available to immunize even half of the county population by spring. The county said uh, it opened 19 vaccination sites this week, and will open 75 more by next week. The California Commission on Health and Safety and Workers' Compensation, that's known as Cheswick, announced the unanimous election of Commissioner Martin Brady as the chair of the commission for 2021. Mr. Brady is executive director at Schools Insurance Authority, where he has worked since 1988. He is a member of the California Joint Powers Authority, California Coalition on Workers' Compensation Public Agency Risk Managers Association, Public School Risk Institute, the Association of Governmental Risk Pools, and the Public Risk Management Association. Mr. Brady has been a member of the commission since 2012. Cheswick was created by the Workers' Compensation Reform Legislation of 1993 and is charged with examining the health and safety and workers' compensation systems in California and recommending administrative or legislative modifications to improve their operation. Cheswick was established to conduct a continuing examination of the workers' comp system and of the state's activities to prevent industrial injuries and occupational diseases and to examine those programs in other states. Information about Cheswick and its meetings are available online. Due to the current COVID-19 pandemic, the Cheswick public meetings will be held online until further notice. And that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish our daily news podcasts and other utilities on our free WorkCompApps.com smartphone app. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd Skarin, Manukian, and Langeman. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.